Hallelujah. 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 How great is our God. Yes. If I could <clears throat> if I could sing it. I can't start it now, Mr. Small's walking back, so I can't start it now. Go ahead. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder. Mm -hmm. The world thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. I Mm -hmm. The world, the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Yeah. How great is our God. How great is our God. My soul sings it. Mm -hmm. In the book of St. John, chapter 5, the scripture that was read in your hearing, you can come down. I'm done. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Glory to the name of Jesus. St. John chapter 5. Let's stand, young people. Amen. And... Beginning at verse number three, and speaking of the pool of Bethesda, five porches there, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the movement of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, there, there was a pool that was named Bethesda. And uh, Bethesda is the place of the outpouring. And sick people lay around this pool. And there was a certain time of the year that an angel would come and stir up the water. And whoever stepped in first would be healed. Now, a certain man, somebody say a certain man. So that could be me. A certain man was there who had had an infirmity 38 years. Now, 38 years in the scripture, you could have been sick five years today. All right, all right, all right. 38 years, uh, had an infirmity. When Jesus saw him lying there, knew what he already had been, knew that he'd already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, and what did he say to him? Do you want to be made well? Everybody repeat after me. Do you want to be made well? Look at the person sitting next to you and say, neighbor, do you want to be made well? 
Turn to the next person and say, next person. Do you want to be made well? Amen. 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 All right. All right. So, you know, this is, you can be seated. Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Now, thank you for sending your word to us today, and thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. First of all, I want to start this message by asking a quick question, all right? Uh, who can tell me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yes. A cardiologist, what do you want to be? A basketball player, what do you want to be? A veterinarian, what do you want to be? What do you want? What do you want to be? A firefighter. Amen. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So today's message. Going to do something a little bit different, and it might. And children, you may, you may. Uh, and I'm not the best writer on cardboard, as you can see, but you can at least read. What do you want out of life? What do you want out of life? And you is capitalized and underlined, all right? What do you want out of life? Ask your neighbor. Neighbor, what do you want out of life? Okay, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what we're going to talk about today, all right? And I want to be, be honest so that we can give credit, talk to our youth, talk to the young people at the conference about vision and goal setting. And I was really inspired by everything that he said. So some of the things I'm going to talk about is going to be drawn from that message because I took some good notes, all right? And I'm sure our young people did too. And how many of you know that there's nothing new under the sun? Amen. Amen. So that means that you know, I'm not teaching or preaching anything that's, that's new. So if I borrow something from somebody else, as long as I give them credit, it's okay. Say it's okay. okay. Yeah. If I ask you, can I borrow $5 and you loan it to me, it's okay, as long as I pay it back. So I'm giving them credit where credit is due. All right? Okay. All right. So, you know, I asked the question to young people about what do they want. What do they want to be in life? Because when you deal with what do you want to be in life, it kind of goes over into what do you want out of life, okay? And so if you want something out of something, you have to put something into it, okay? And we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to give you some specific things that you need to do that will help you get out of life what you, want, what you really want out of life. And we're going to also talk about the fact that you're created in the image and likeness of God, Okay? Sometimes when we look at the you part of this, you know, and we start talking about the you want out of life, sometimes people begin to think, well, we're leaving God out of it. But, you know, the wonderful thing about God is that he created us so his life is in us and he is inspiring our thoughts. Amen. He is inspiring the way you think. Amen. About life. That's okay. Uh, uh, yeah. He's inspiring the way you think in life and about life and what the things that you are pushed toward, okay, the passions, the, the desires, the things that you like in life that really focuses on, you know, what you want to be in life, then, uh, then, uh, that's all right, y'all don't need to see that. Y'all look at me, look at me. Uh, yeah, the, you got to know that God put these things inside of you, all right? You got to understand that you don't have a desire to be a veterinarian, all right, unless the Lord has put a love for animals inside of you. You just didn't grow up and say, I love animals. No, that's not the way it works. God places these thoughts inside of us. And he doesn't wait until you're 30, 40, and 50 years old to do it. He starts before you were formed in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says what? Somebody adult or youth. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Thank you. <laughs> Before you were formed, and, and Sister Leah said that on, 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 um, 
on, on Friday night, was it, as you were talking, she referred to that scripture. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God said, I knew you. God was speaking to Jeremiah, and God said to Jeremiah, and I already ordained you as a prophet to the nations. So Jeremiah didn't just come up and say, oh, I want to be a prophet. No, God had placed that in him before he was formed in his mother's womb. He said, well, how could God do that? Because God is God. God knew you before you were ever conceived because you were in God before you were ever conceived. And so as children, you, that, that may be a little bit above your head, but, you know, as you, as you, as you grow, you'll begin to get that, okay? All right? As you grow, you'll begin to get that, all right? Okay? Okay, we're going to look at me, right? We're going to pay attention to me? Good, good. Because you know what? If we don't pay attention to me, then we have to move. Okay? Y'all got it? Good. Y'all got it too? You sure? All right, I'm going to ask you a question in a minute. Okay. We're good? All right. So God has inspired us to be the, the things that we want to be in life. How do we get there, okay? How do we get from the inspiration of God to, to, to what we want to get to in life? And so, you know, as I, as I thought about this, I thought about something that's really, 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 really important. What does that say? All right. So I'm talking to you. But if you said this in, in first person, you would say, me, okay? So you are, imp are a very important part of the process of God bringing your desires and your dreams to pass, okay? When you talk about what you want out of life, you are a real part of this process. We just don't sit back and say, okay, I want to be a doctor, and cross your legs and eat ice cream. No! If you want to be a doctor, then you start developing, uh, you start reading, you start studying, you start watching doctors, you start paying attention, you start asking questions. Oh, and I left this part out. Parents have a real part to play in this process. Because when children are babies, parents have to start talking to them about who they are. Yeah, parents have to start, you know, you can't just allow your children to grow up thinking that they are Michael Jordan. You got to first of all start telling your children, you're a child of God. You belong to God. You've been created in the image and likeness of God. You came into this world because of God, and God lives in you. So parents are a real part of the formative process when you have little babies that are brought into the world, and they're little like these little children here, and the babies that are in mama's arms. Parents play a real big role in speaking into the child so that the child can begin to know who they are. A part of my identity, a real part of my identity is that I am a child of God. A real part of your identity, Joshua, is that you are a child of God. You're not just Joshua Stowe. You are a child of God. You are created in the image and the likeness of God, and God has a right over your life to own you, to direct you, to pour into you, and to expect out of you that you will live your life for his glory. Amen? Amen? That's the same way, Simone, same way, Faith, same way, uh, Gabe. You belong to God. And from a child, when you begin to understand that, because let me tell you what's going to happen. Satan is going to come along, and Satan is going to send people your way who don't love God, and they're going to try to twist your thinking, all right? They're going to, they're going to teach you to do things that don't honor God if you listen to them, and they're going to make you think that your life belongs to you, and you can do whatever you want to do with your life. Even if it means dishonoring God, and if, if the devil is in the mix, the devil is going to tell you to dishonor God. He's going to tell you, you don't have to live for God. He's going to tell you the Bible doesn't make sense. There are a lot of errors in the Bible. You don't have to follow what the Bible says. 
But when you know who you are, when it has been ingrained in your mind and in your spirit, then you're better able to reject those negative things that come your way. And as you focus in on who you are in God, then God begins to inspire you and stir you and push you toward the way he has created you to be. Amen. I am a firm believer that before I was formed in my mother's womb, God had already called me to be a pastor. Amen. He had already, this, this was ordained for my life. And I don't care if there was something else that I tried to do, I would not have been satisfied in it. All right? So it's important. And you play a big part. I played a big part in being a pastor because I had to say yes to God. Are you hearing me? I had to say yes to God. God did not, did not just take me kicking and screaming and force me to be a pastor. Doesn't work that way. He doesn't force us to do anything. But once we learn to submit to him, this is where the blessings of life comes in. So you play. You play a big part in this process. All right? You play a big part in this process. Now, now in the text... You know, and I don't want to, I'm, I'm going to try to do this in, I don't have a clock in front of me, so uh, I'm going to try to do this in 15 minutes from this point. 44. I got 44 minutes to go. <laughs> All right. So look at what Jesus, when Jesus goes to the pool, goes to this pool of Bethesda, and all of these sick people are lying there. And he sees this man lying there who has been lame for how long? 38 years. And what does he ask the man? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want? Oh, wow. So that means that the man had a part to play in the process. Y'all listening? Do you want? Man, you can be made well, but you have a part to play in the process. You have a part to play. So what does the man start doing? What does he start doing? He doing what? Oh, Lord, have mercy. The man starts making excuses. When the water is troubled, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. Sometimes when people don't accomplish things in life that they start out dreaming about and thinking about, they make excuses. Well, I come from a dysfunctional family. My daddy was this. My mama was that. They didn't love me. This happened. The teacher didn't like me. Nothing but excuses. Maybe the teacher didn't like you, but you're not going to school for the teacher to like you. You're loved at home. Y'all listening to me? Maybe the teacher just hates your guts, but guess what? You go to that class, and you do what you're supposed to do, you know, and you focus, you, you get your love from home. You're not at school for that teacher to stroke you. And so, parents, that means we really have to love our children at home. You know, when, when our children leave home, they need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that whatever happens outside of the house, they have love, they have peace, they have security at home. Because excuses will stop you from getting to what you said you wanted to do. Excuses. This man made all of these excuses. So, if you've heard me preach this before. We were in Liberia, okay? So, the, 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 the road was flooded. It was six feet of water. And we passed by this one lady, and they have these little makeshift things uh, um, where they 
put produce and what have you. So we passed by this one lady, and she was there on the side of the thing, and she was laying just like this. She had a cover over it, it was raining, and I looked at her and smiled, and she waved. And I, and I could picture that man by the pool of Bethesda just laying there, just laying there. And the water is troubled, and somebody else is jumping in the pool, and he's just laying there saying, I ain't got nobody to put me in the pool. 38 years. Every year, I don't have nobody. My, come on now, come on, you can just, you can roll. You know, if, 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 if you... If you're a long way away, okay, year one, somebody gets here in front of you. Just move up a little bit. Year two, move up a little bit. Year three, are you hearing me? You got all of these excuses as to why you are not accomplishing what you started out to accomplish in your life. Excuses will stop you. Excuses will stop you. And all of us can come up with excuses. Well, why didn't you make an A on that test? Well, I had, well, you know, I had, I had band practice and I had football practice and then we had to go to church and then I, I didn't have time to study. Oh, but what about the time you were on playing your games? You know, what about the times that, you know, that you wouldn't go to bed at night so you could get up early in the morning and study before you go to school? I talked with the, we were in the airport in Brussels and ran into this guy who teaches at uh, South Point. And uh, he was on his way home. You all, some of you know him because he was a member here. And so we started talking about, uh, you know, uh, accomplishing things in life. He said, he said, when I was young, my father worked, my uncle worked for Chase Manhattan Bank. And so all of us went to live with my uncle. But then my uncle had a stroke, and he couldn't work anymore. And here we were all there, and now we had nobody to support us. In Liberian society, and like a lot of African societies, the, the person that's working takes the responsibility for the rest of the family that's not working. You know, they're not like us. We ready to kick folk out and say, you know, you ain't no good, you know. I'm tired of supporting you. I'm tired of taking care of you. So it's kind of different over there. But anyway, so he started telling me what he did. He said, Bishop, I think he was in ninth grade. He said, I started cleaning up at the Lutheran guest house. I would go there, and I, would, I got me a job cleaning rooms and cutting grass. He said, I worked my way through high school. Now, here we are in America. You don't have to work your way through high school because it's free. Basically. He said, I worked my way through high school, and then he said, I didn't stop there. I wanted to go to the university. So I got enrolled at the university, and I got, a, I got another job, and I worked, and I paid my first two years at the University of Liberia. Then the Lord blessed him to come to the United States, and he went to Winthrop and graduated from Winthrop, but while he was at Winthrop, he worked an eight-hour job at Springs Mill to pay his way through school because he was determined that he was going to be a math teacher, and that's what he did. He could have had excuses. He could have stopped in ninth grade and said, my uncle died, there's no more way, and he could have become a bum on the street. Excuses. Excuses will stop you. They will stop you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So, 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 to make this quick, what do you need to do? And this is, as I looked at this, this passage of Scripture, the Lord began to speak to me about what we need to do. That's supposed to be a question mark right there, just in case you're wondering what in the world that is. <laughs> so, so the Lord began to speak to me about what it is that we need to do. Anyway, okay, yeah. And when you look at this man at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus spoke to him about what he needed to do. Because Jesus asked him, what do you want? What do you want? It makes no difference what the next person beside you wants. 
It's what you want. Okay? It makes no difference what, what faith wants, Simone. It's what you want. Faith, it makes no difference what Simone wants. It's what you want. Jasmine, same way. Amen? Alea, same way. It's what you want. Joshua, same way. It makes no difference what Seth wants. What do you want? This is about you now. Your destiny is about you. Your future is about you. Okay? All right? Y'all listening? listening? (laughs) So, let's look at this. I'm going to give you some things to do. All right? Some things to do. I forgot what my cards say. All right? I'm going to give you some things to do. So, the first thing. Now, now children... This might be a little bit over your head, but it, it, it doesn't have to be because you're smart. For the little ones, you know, they can pick up on this too with mom and daddy's help. <laughs> this is something we don't think about. First thing you need to think about is planning your life. Don't just let life happen. Plan. Develop a plan for your life. While you're playing basketball, you need to take some time and sit down and write out a plan for your life. While you're thinking about being a veterinarian, you need to stop, sit down, and write out some things about how you're going to get to be a veterinarian. While you want to be a fire person, fireman, firewoman, sit down and write out some things about how you're going to get to being a fire person. And adults, I hope y'all are listening because this is something we have not done. Most of us have not done this, okay? Hmm. Having a plan is the same as having a vision, all right? Who I am, where I'm going, and what will it realistically take for me to get there, okay? All right? What will it realistically take for me to get there. And you got to write it down. I heard a man, when we were building this, the, 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 when we were putting the addition on this building, uh, the electrician who was a deacon from, from my home church, uh, he would tell me, he said, now write it down. He said, a short pencil is better than a long memory any day. Did y'all get that? How many of y'all got that? A short pencil is better than a long memory any day. What does that mean? If you write it down, you can go back and read it. If you think you got it in your head, it's going to leave you. Something's going to get in the way. Something's going to take your attention away. You will forget it. So you got to sit down and develop a plan for your life. You don't have to be, you don't have to be 50 to develop a plan for your life. You hear me? You can start at 10, 11, 12. You can start at 8, 9, 10. You can start writing down some preliminary things. You know, you, you, and I'm going to get a little bit deeper into to this in a minute, but the plan for your life is so critical because if you don't have a plan, you don't know where you're going. How many of you going to New York will just get in the car and start driving? You, if you don't, now we use a GPS. The GPS is a planner. It plans out your route. We used to use road maps. So we would get the map, we would sit down, we look at it, we try to figure out the shortest distance to get to where we need to go. Let me tell you something that will happen if you don't plan. How many of you who drive have ever been in a strange place and you, you were getting, you got off the interstate, got ready to get back on, and then you got on the wrong exit, took the wrong exit, a wrong entrance. We've done that before. Got a plan. I'll tell you all a funny story. Y'all want to laugh a little bit more. So, there was a good friend of mine. We were at Full Gospel one year. And so they got ready to come home. He said, oh, I'm driving. Told Bishop Robinson, I shouldn't have called any names, but told Bishop Robinson, you all right with me. My good friend got on the interstate, and rather than going 20 east, he went 20 west. 
and they had driven from New Orleans till they saw Welcome to Texas. <laughs> Baby, you got a plan. <clears throat> you got to plan your life. Because without a plan, you will make you will go the wrong direction and you will waste time. You will waste important time. You will make some bad choices, some bad decisions. We'll make some bad decisions, even with plans, but at least with a plan, you, gotta, you can kind of gauge yourself and see where you're going. Okay, you got to plan your life. Second thing you got to do, you have to develop smart goals. All right? Got to develop smart goals. What's the opposite, uh, the, the, the opposite of smart? No, you're not going to say dumb. So that means your goals can't be dumb. Say my goals can't be dumb. They must be smart. If I'm going to plan my life, I know where I want to go. All right. The Hebrew boys in Babylon, they wanted to honor God. They're captive in Babylon. They wanted to honor God. That was their ultimate goal, to honor God in their lives. So when the opportunity came for them the king of Babylon wanted to choose the best princes among all of the Hebrew people that were taken. And he said, I want you to set before them all of the wonderful food, you know, uh, roast beef and, and, and fried turkey and macaroni and cheese and, and, and spaghetti and meatballs and uh, uh, garlic bread and, and some watermelon and some peaches and some, some apple pie and some chocolate cake and some lemon meringue pie and some... <laughs> but those four young men said, we don't want to defile ourselves with the king's meat. We want to honor God. So how are they going to do that? They tell the keeper of the young men, let us, let us eat water, drink water and eat vegetables for 10 days and then come back and test us and look at us and see if we don't, see how we look then and then you determine whether we don't have to eat the king's meat. They were to do it for three years in 10 days. When he came back and he looked at them, they looked fairer. They only ate vegetables and drank water. You know, that speaks to us who like to eat all this fatty stuff. So a lot of people here don't like vegetables. I tell you what, how many young people like vegetables? Green vegetables. Tomatoes. You learn to like tomatoes. I had to make Seth eat tomatoes in Liberia. I, I, I had to make Joshua eat tomatoes. So you're not throwing that away. <laughs> Are you allergic to it? No, sir. Well, you're going to eat it today. Now, when you get home, <laughs> you, you may start back going your own ways. But while you're with me, you eat those tomatoes. My young people used to come to the house and I'd make them eat vegetables. I know they'd be mad at me. You're going to spend a night at my house and you're not going to eat my vegetables that I cook? I don't care if your parents let you eat all that stuff. Just stuff. You stay at my house, you're going to eat some vegetables. Y'all want to come to visit me? <laughs> but, you know, they only ate vegetables and water. And we'd be thinking, Lord, all of this apple pie and chocolate cake and, 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 and barbecued chicken and, 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 and barbecued ribs and, and, and I, I can't pass this up. I mean, I have hit the jackpot. <laughs> but they had smart goals. They wanted to honor God. So they said, just give us Water and vegetables and test us for 10 days. So let me tell you what a smart goal is. Here it is right here. Specific goals. That means you got to, if you're going to plan your life, you got to have specific goals. Specific. Single, sensible, significant. So you don't need 50,000 goals. You need one goal. I want to be a veterinarian. That's my goal. Now, 
sensible is this. Do you like animals? Well, I don't like animals. <laughs> you like animals. But there's somebody will say, somebody will say, I want to be a gynecologist. What is what does seeing blood do to you? What is you know, because if you're gonna be a gynecologist eventually, you're gonna deliver a baby, right? And that's gonna be a lot of and somebody's going to be in a lot of pain. And you're going to be in there like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. Oh, I can't. It, it, listen. So that, that's not sensible. Not sensible. Okay. You want to be a, a doctor and you're in 10th grade. And so in five years, you want to be a doctor. It's not sensible. Sensible. Say sensible. All right. Sensible, significant. It needs to be something important. Don't just want to be something, okay? Now, for all of our young men, because in our community, our young men want to be football players, okay? Sports players. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm not speaking against that at all. But be sensible. Are you really willing? I mean, if your parents can't get you up out of the bed in the morning, how in the world are you going to work out? How are you going to? I see these young guys running through Rock Hill. You know, they're running. They come through my neighborhood running. I'm looking at these young guys just running. And some of them out there early in the morning, and you want to be in the bed. You're not going to be a football player. You don't like to exercise. The only thing you want to exercise is your mouth. Sensible. Somebody say sensible. Yeah. Single, sensible, significant, smart goals. And you got to realize you are not like the next person. You are unique. So your goals should not be based on what someone else said. Okay? You got to understand that God has created you as you. So you begin to look at your own unique giftings and abilities and what you really like. You know, and I know it's so easy for young people to listen to the person next to them because maybe nobody's really focused them in and poured into them and begin to talk about, you know, what they, what they ought to focus on in life and what they like. And they sit in front of the television and they watch TV all of the time. So then when somebody says, what do you want to be in life? They hear the other person and they copycat. You are not a copy of anybody else. You're a unique individual. You got to remember that. You got to remember that. So then you ask, what do I want to accomplish? Why is this goal important to me? Who is involved? Who is involved? Who is involved in you reaching your goals? So you identify your mom, your dad, your teacher. You know, one of the things that the young man said in Liberia is, you know, when you're trying to reach your destiny, reach your goals, and you're a young person, you don't have time to date. I said, oh, Lord, you know, we wouldn't say that in America because when children are little, parents, oh, that's his boyfriend, that's his girlfriend. You know, we're getting in their minds, boyfriend and girlfriend, and sometimes when you're trying to get to where you need to get to, that other person in your life is a distraction. You don't have time to be falling out with somebody because your, your focus is on them 24-7. Your focus ought to be on your studies. And then somebody he's looking at somebody else, and now you up at the school ready to fight somebody because that's your boyfriend, and you ain't never married the man. He don't belong to you. And vice versa. So you're so much in love that you can't focus on your studying. That person is a distraction. How many adults were distracted? Tell the truth and shame the devil. When you were young, you were a teenager, you were distracted. Our society focuses us in on these things. So here we are. Trying to go to school, trying to make A's, and you have the ability to do well, but you are distracted. 
because you got somebody now in your path who doesn't belong there. And they can't help you get to your desired end. And you can tell they don't want you to get there because of the things they want you to do. They're not concerned about your destiny. They're not telling you, go home and study. They're not telling you, we can't afford to go to Zaxby's and we can't afford to go to Ruby Tuesday's. Let's go to McDonald's. And so many young girls, let me tell you all something now. I guess I need to do, I need to be talking about, because some of us have unrealistic expectations for our young men. So you need to get this out of your mind. And some of y'all date like you're married and you're not married. Y'all be washing your own clothes. There were things when we were growing up, the boy couldn't buy a girl. The parents should buy it for him. Buy her a box of candy, don't be buying clothes. That's the parents' responsibility. It ain't the boyfriend's responsibility. Here you are in high school, you need to be helping your parents out. You got school fees, you got band fees, and you got a little job. Now you want your parents to pay everything. So you can spend your money on a date. That is a distraction. Spell it. D-I-S-T-R-A-C-T-I-O-N. Lord have mercy. Do y'all know how to spell it? Spell it. No, I can't hear you. Uh, yeah, let me go on. I got to finish this. I know I'm over. So your goals have to be measurable, okay? So that means you need to break them up into little in- increments. If you're going to have a good goal, goals that are, they have to be measurable. There's an African proverb that says, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So then I, I set goals that I can measure. In six months, I want to be here. In nine months, I want to be here. In 12 months, I want to be here. Okay? So you are in seventh grade, and you're working on the plan for your life. You're not going to say, in six months, I want to have graduated from school. Okay? Measurable, achievable. So you've so you got to be able to achieve what you write down. Can you do it? Can you achieve it? You have to determine that. Maybe you need some help in this process. And then the goals have to be relevant. So relevant basically means that it relates to what your goal is. Relevant, relating. So you're not going to have a goal to, um, if you're making a C now in class and you want to make an A, your goal is not going to be spend more time playing football. Your goal should be spend extra time studying, get help from a tutor. Okay? And then they need to be timely. They need to be timely. They need to be, your goals, uh, I know this is kind of rudimentary, kind of, but, but, but I want you to get this. I want you to get this because you can get it. I tell you what. I believe anybody that can learn all these songs and learn all these dances that you learn, you can get this. Your goals have to be for a right time. Is the time right? Is it the right time for this goal? Is it the right time for what I'm... So this makes you sit down and think. Why did God give you a brain? To put a hat on your head? To do what? Think. He gave you a brain to think. Let me tell you what will mess up your thought processes. Sitting in front of the television 24-7. Playing video games hours on end. Anything that, 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 that reasons for you. Anything that affects your mind so that you're not thinking. You're not thinking. And sometimes parents let television babysit their children. That's not a good thing. 
It's not a good thing. So your children go to school, and they have very short attention spans. You know, the teacher's trying to teach, and, and they're, they're doing something else. Very short attention spans. They can't sit down for 10 minutes because they spent all of this time in front of the television or in front of the computer playing video games, watching, TV, watching cartoons. Parent never took the time to sit down and read a book to their children. Oh, that's what you were doing? Well, you should have put that up a long time ago. <laughs> Thank you for trying to help me out, Elder Hoskins. He had his computer over there on the floor with a timer on it. I saw the time, but I thought it meant it was 10 o'clock. He was telling me I had 10 minutes. Bless your heart. Amen. But, but I am at my last point. I am at my last point. Once you develop a plan, and you know what I like to do, young people? I like for us to sit down with some adults and start working on, if you don't sit with your parents, and start working on planning your life. Planning your life. You got to work your plan. Once you get it, once it's, once it's concrete, then you have to set at work in it. The Bible says faith without work is dead. Being alone, faith being alone without work. So whatever you do, if you don't work your plan, and let me, let me read another scripture to you from Proverbs because I, I like this scripture. And this is what, what a lot of us do. Uh, I really like this scripture, and I'm almost done here. So the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs which chapter? Verses 9 through 11. It says, how long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Yet a little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and and thy want as an armed man. So the Bible is saying then, when you have your plans, you got to put them to work. And your parents can't work your plan for you. You hear me? Your friends can't work your plans for you. You have to work your own plans. And it's a lifelong process. Because once you, once you graduate from high school and your plan is to go into college, you're still working that plan. Going to grad school, you're still working that plan. Getting that first job, you're still working that plan because you don't want to get one job and just stop right there. There's somewhere else you're headed to. So you continue to work that plan. Getting married, you're working that plan. Having children, you're working that plan. If you don't have a plan and don't work the plan, then you leave your life open for somebody else to plan your life for you. How many people have had other people plan their lives? They end up in jail because they followed somebody else. They didn't have a plan for their lives. So so Friday night came, they didn't have anything to do. So they went to hang out with with the guys. And the guys they were hanging out with were going to rob rob the, the supermarket. Didn't have a plan. What's wrong with staying at home reading? Oh, that's a boring life. Well, what's wrong with finding some level-headed young people who also have a plan for their lives and they're going somewhere? And part of our problem is we don't have enough young people going anywhere. So we need more young people going somewhere. So you young people that are going somewhere, you need to hang together. It's all right to hang out with your church brothers and sisters as long as you know they're going somewhere. They're not trying to get you in trouble. Now, I want to go somewhere else, but this is Children's Sunday, too. But y'all got to think. How many babies have come? Oh, that just popped up. That baby didn't just pop up. Mm-mm. No, sir. That was some deliberate action. That was some real deliberate action. You knew what you were doing. Now, when we were young and they told us babies come from under a cabbage leaf, we might have been ignorant sometime, but we weren't ignorant 
too many times. And today you're not ignorant. Today you know. So babies just don't pop up. Now you had a plan for your life. If you were working your plan, and, and that person who should not have been in your space in the first place, who would have been trying to deter you from your plan, wouldn't have been whispering in your ear because you already pushed him out of your life because you saw that he was not the right person to help you get to your destiny. Because you knew that a baby at, at 18 was, was going to really deter you from getting to where you need to get to. I don't care what society says and how, how wonderful it looks. But you think about where you're headed in your life. Think about what you want out of life. Plan it. Work on that plan. Make sure you get, don't let people in your space who don't have your best interests at heart and who are not willing to help push you to work your plan. You dating somebody, they should not be trying to get you to do something you have no business doing. They should be encouraging you to stay holy. You that much in love? then, okay, let's wait until we decide to get married. You see, they ain't saying wait to, because they don't want to get married. They don't want that responsibility. They're not ready to be married. Now your plan is all out of whack. And now you're looking at mom and daddy. Work your plan. Watch out for those folks that's doing drugs. That wasn't the way you were raised. Watch out for them. You don't have to hang out with them. Young girls, watch out for those guys that are just thugs. They ain't nothing but thugs. You know they're thugs. There should not be anything appealing about a thug. You ought to want somebody that's going somewhere. You want a guy, if you want to be a doctor, you want a guy that wants to be a lawyer. I want to be a preacher. I want to be something in life other than a thug. This doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense, young people. Doesn't make any sense. I hope this makes us think. I hope it makes us think. Hope it makes this thing. So, so it gets back to the bottom line is, what do you want? What do you want out of life? You can lay by the pool. You can make excuses. And you can never reach your destiny. You can always wait for somebody else to step out and, and help you get to where you need to get to rather than you doing what you need to do to get to where you need to get to. Thank God the man met Jesus. How many of you all in here today can say that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord? So you've already met him. You have already met him. So what's our excuse now? Because Jesus is already here to help us. That was that man's first meeting, the first encounter with Jesus.